fireworks. Here's a swing and a long one to left. Gone, gone, gone. Let's begin now. This is White Sox Weekly. Got him swinging, Sox win. The Chicago baseball conversation on the flagship home of the Sox. 720 WGN. Light it up. Woo! A triumphant return to the radio for White Sox Weekly. Let me lower that music. I got you, Ben Anderson, in for Curtis Coke today. Hope you're having a great Saturday afternoon. Hope you're fired up for some baseball. My name is Mark Carmen, and yes, I can look at the White Sox schedule and I can see that they're having an intra-squad game that starts tonight at 6, and I can see that they are playing the Cubs at Wrigley Field tomorrow, and then they're back at Guaranteed Rate Field against the Cubs on Monday. One more summer league or summer camp game, let's call it that, against the Brewers on Wednesday, and then, yes, indeed, the season actually gets going this coming Friday night versus the Minnesota Twins, a three-game series against the Twins at Guaranteed Rate Field. I feel like I could just go through the entire schedule right now. I'm feeling a little excitement for baseball. 312-981-7200. What are you most excited about? To A, have the game back, and B, about this year's 2020 White Sox. 312-981-7200. Scott Merkin is coming up. MLB.com. As, of course, Merck entering, I think it's season, I want to say 23 for Merck. I'll find that out. But uh, Merck doing a great job. We'll see what he thinks uh, the White Sox opening day roster is going to look like. And he's been out watching all of these workouts, so we'll get a feel for uh, what's been going on. Andy Mazur, of course, is going to be alongside Darren Jackson in the radio booth this year. will join us at 5.30. And then in the 6 o'clock hour today, we will start it off with Dylan Cease at 6.05. And then Steve Ciszek, White Sox new reliever, will join me at 6.30. I actually want to start uh, with Dylan Cease because he had a huge performance as far as summer camp games go that are intra-squad that don't go in the record books. A big-time performance Thursday night at Guaranteed Rate Field. C striking out eight batters, okay? Now, and we're going to hear from Dylan coming up, as I mentioned. But here's a guy who, a lot of hype, but did not have a great year last year. And that's not exactly uncommon for first-year starters. 14 starts last year at an ERA of 5.79, and if you watched Dylan Cease last year, it was almost at times, I think the word is painful, because he'd look great, but then he'd be struggling to find the strike zone, and he, it was just a battle to get through five innings. But he looked phenomenal the other night. If you watch the highlights as uh, I did, you're like, whoa. That is some serious, nasty stuff. And C saying, like, sometimes I don't have my nasty breaking balls, or if I do, I'm bouncing them. Quote, yesterday it was a combination of having the A stuff and the A command. I've done it before, but nothing as consistent as that. I'm looking to take that into the season. And as far as those breaking ball dynamics, actually, let's hear from Dylan himself on that old breaking ball, because if he's got that along with the fastball, American League, National League, whoever the White Sox are playing, it's going to be a problem. I think last night I, I did it more consistently with my with my high-end stuff, um, whereas sometimes, you know, I don't have, like, my nasty breaking balls, or if I do, I'm bouncing them. 
yesterday was like the combination of having the A stuff and the A command. Um, so I, I've done it before, but nothing nothing as consistent as that. So I'm, I'm looking to take that into the season. So that sounds like he's touched a new level, that he's been working incredibly hard, that his confidence is moving up, and that he found something on Thursday night that he's going to try to duplicate. And you look at where he fits into this rotation. You've got Giolito, even though we're, st- we're still waiting on our opening day starter here, but we got Giolito at the top, veteran Dallas Keuchel, then you've got Dylan Cease, Ronaldo Lopez. A lot of people think that Ronaldo is going to have a huge bounce back year and pitch more like he did in the second half last season, or if we want to go all the way back to 2018, that this is going to be a big year for Lopi, as Ricky Renteria likes to call him and his teammates. Veteran Gio Gonzalez, who's really at this point your sixth starter, and then there's Carlos Rodon, who I'll get to in a second. Rodon wants to be in that rotation. So you got six starters. Hey, Dylan, what do you see in that pitching staff? To me, it's 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 very promising. Uh, you watch Dallas, and it's just effortless. You know, fastballs down the zone, nasty changeups. Um, obviously, Gio's got good stuff, and he's seven feet tall, so he's nasty. So, uh, and you got Ronaldo, who sits ninety six or ninety seven. So we've got, I think we've got potential if we all pitch like we can to to do something special. Yeah, there's a lot of depth going on right here, a lot of depth, and that does not include Michael Kopech, who opted out this season, and. Hopefully we'll be back in 2021 and be the Michael Kopech that the White Sox envisioned when they traded for him. Speaking of that trade, by the way, good to see Yohan Moncada back with the club after testing positive for COVID-19, back on the field, working out. Looks like he's good to go. Let me get one more from Dylan, and again, we'll hear from him just myself and Dylan talking coming up at 6.05. But uh, they've got White Sox you know, invested big in Yasmani Grandal to play catcher, be a leader, He'll DH some, maybe even play some first base. But this is a new guy for Dylan to be working with. How's Yasmani helping him? At the very, at the very least, um, you know those low pitches that he he ends up getting strikes for are is huge. Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't gotten to work with him a whole lot in game situations. So um, I'll probably have a way better answer for that at the end of the year. But um, I think at the very least, just his framing and his pitch callings is huge. Early going, doesn't know him super well, but likes his framing. I'll take that along with James McCann, who's been an incredible leader from the White Sox last year and really through this whole time, spring training, time off, and getting guys, I think, on the same page as how they're approaching the season. James McCann's really been a huge gift in that White Sox clubhouse. Hey, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back here. Scott Merkin coming up from MLB.com. We will preview the season with Merk next. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. At the wall, the 380, gone. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. About to talk to Scott Merkin, MLB.com. But first, just a reminder, White Sox charity Socks Care Raffle is back by popular demand. It starts July the 24th. You can enter to win a White Sox-themed Mazda CX-30. That's courtesy of Mazda of Orland Park. New this season, this car was designed by a White Sox fan. How sweet is that? Uh, visit WhiteSox.com slash SoxCar for more information valid for Illinois residents only. I have um, 
I don't know. I think Merck actually might be in line for a new car. Aren't you, Scott Merkin? You wouldn't. I probably could use one at this point. Yeah, there's no question about it. <laughs> Me too. Although here's the weird thing. My car is 18 years old, but it's only got 69,000 miles on it. So it's it's kind of tough to commit to a new car when you don't drive the old one that much. That is a city dweller right there. And Merck, your car yes. is, it's like whenever I see it at guarantee rate feel, I got to tell you, I feel like I'm at home. So, so I don't, I actually don't want you to get, <laughs> like, like, well, I'm glad I, I, I need to bring it in tomorrow to get the check engine light looked at, <laughs> but hopefully that won't cost too much or it may be time for a new car. Yeah. These, these things happen. They, they don't last forever. So we got an right. inter-squad game tonight, Merck, and then the Cubs on, uh, on the north side on, on Sunday and, and back at guaranteed rate field. On Monday, and the Brewers, and then the Twins. It's finally here. Uh, what are you, as far as just being out at guaranteeing rate and, and watching what's been going on? What has been, I guess, the most impressive thing for you so far that uh, excites you about the 2020 White Sox? Well, I think two things. You know, Luis Robert looks like the real deal. You know, Luis Robert looks like he has the makings of a superstar. Now, as I say that before, you know, I get accused of reading too much into the crystal ball or drinking the Kool Aid. I understand he has not seen one single pitch of a regular season game yet. You know, he has not, he has literally not played a regular season game or been on the field for a regular season game. So let's let him, you know, go through a season or go through a couple months before we commission the statue for him outside guaranteed rate field. But just watching him, you can see how talented that kid is. You can see how he does everything so well. You know, I mean, I, I had someone today refer to him defensively as Kelly Leak because he covers so much ground. (laughs) For those old uh, Bad News Bears fans, by the way, because he covers so much ground in the outfield that it seems like he's running from like line to line. And I think part of it is he's that good. Part of it is he's that athletic. And part of it is he's just that excited to be ready to play. And the other thing I'll say is, you know, good Lord, no one wanted this coronavirus pandemic to take place. It's horrible. People have lost their lives, their livelihoods. It's just a terrible situation. But this break... If you just look at it purely 100% from baseball, we're talking about this, certainly has benefited the Sox. You know, Edwin Encarnacion would not have been 100% most likely at the start of the season back in March, nor would have Gio Gonzalez. Carlos Rodon, Jimmy, uh, come Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Lambert, right. and Dane Dunning. Jimmy Kimmel would not have been available no matter what the <laughs> season was, but they would not have been ready. And I think Nick Madrigal, we talked to him just now on a Zoom call and just watching him play. He's a different guy out there. So I think, you know, they're in a better place. Obviously, they would have loved to have been in a lesser place and started the season and not had anything to do with this horrible pandemic. But since it has played out and since we are standing here now, they're in a pretty good position with, you know, Friday's opener coming up against the defending AL Central champs. All right, let, you, you, you teed up a lot there. Let's start with Madrigal. Do, should I be reading into, or should White Sox fans be reading into anything that he's on a Zoom call today and Merck's talking about him? Do you anticipate he's going to start the season with them? Oh, I don't know about that. You know, Ricky wouldn't go into the full – I mean, you know, they're going to have to make a decision soon, right? I mean, the next yeah. couple of days, unless unless they're just going to, you know, do like a, a bachelor ceremony on or bachelorette ceremony on Friday and give the people who are staying a rose to stay and then go with the game that Friday. And I don't think that's happening, actually, but – you know, I think put it this way: I think Nick Madrigal will be helping this team in far more games than he won't be this year. So if he's not up at the start of the season, it will be very shortly thereafter that he will be the second baseman for the White Sox. And you know, I mean, Leary Garcia and having Leary Garcia and Danny Mendick is a great asset for this team because they both cover pretty much everything out there. You know, you may not need a fifth outfielder, especially with Adam Engel's great defensive capabilities when you have Mendick and Leary, because they can both play the outfield too. So, you know, even if it starts off where Leary is the starting second baseman, 
I do believe Nick Vandergal is going to be, you know, contributing soon at the big league level. And I think he's, he's a good player for that lineup. You know, I mean, not everyone in that lineup has to be a 30 home run, 90 to 100 RBI guy. You know, I think he does so many intangible things. He's a great defensive player. You watch him, you know, our, our press box is a perfect view, especially with no fans in front of us, unfortunately, you know, down the first baseline. And he really gets after it. He can fly. You know, he probably is not too far behind Luis Robert, who might be the fastest guy, or Adam Angle, I guess, would be up there too. But a you know, good defensive player and, you know, is a great contact guy. You know, can do a lot of things in the bat and I think will hit well. You know, almost gives you like a second leadoff man if you put him in the number nine spot. So I don't know. I won't guarantee for sure. You know, he wants to make it. He said he wants to. He's never wanted anything more in his life. He really believes he deserves to be there. But he also gets it's not in his hands. You know, kind of cliche, but he understands that, you know, it's not his choice to be up there. So if he's not on Friday, it won't be long before he is, I believe. All right, let's switch over to the rotation, and I, th- I think that makes a whole lot of sense. You're gonna you're gonna see Nick Madrigal play baseball with the White Sox this season. I, keeping Absolutely. keeping those guys ready, though, at, you know, if, if they're if they're not playing, that seems like a you know at least a drop of a challenge uh, in the current situation that they're in. But here, let's let's go to let's go to the rotation. Right, Lucas, you think he's he's going to start opening day? Right, I I would be I I. I don't even want to make a joke about it or like a weird bet. I would say 99.8% Lucas Giolito is taking the mound against Jose Barrios Friday night at Guaranteed Right Field. That would be, and I think just as certain Dallas Keuchel is going game two on, I think this is a Saturday day game, I think. Uh, whatever the time is Saturday, I don't remember, but I think Dallas Keuchel is going game two. Then I'm yeah. not as certain how three, four, five would break down. I would have to guess right now probably – Cease, Rodon, Lopez, Lopez, Rodon, Cease, something in that order. With, you know, Gio Gonzalez right there. And, you know, Dane Dunning and uh, Jimmy Lambert have both done a nice job in camp and can be, you know, a a key, like, swing guy. I talked to Dane Dunning about a week ago where he said, you know, he's ready to do whatever. I I understand that his future, the Sox see, is more as a starter, but he, you know, pitched in relief in Florida, and he can do that now. And, you know, Ross Detweiler pitched a lot for the Sox last year, and he's in the mix, too. You know, they do have a little bit of a 40-man crunch. I think they're at 39 right now. So, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, everyone who plays on the on the 30-man roster to open Friday has to be on the 40-man. So, you have to do a little juggling there. But, you know, there are certainly some options. But that's what would be my guess at the starting rotation right now. So you think that Gio's going to be the odd man out here and they're going to go with five? Or do you think they'll go with six and maybe split starters? It, it, to me, it's a huge luxury, either any, any way they slice it. But uh, and by right. the way, Michael Kopech's not with the team, so that there are even there's even more depth if you look to the future as we add in Dane Dunning and and Jimmy Lambert. Um, White Sox are getting awful healthy in the rotation, which is sweet. But is that your guess right. that Gio will start in the bullpen? Well, here's the argument. You know, I, I think you could go six at the start, maybe not. You know, maybe one time through or even two times through. But you know, it, it's not like. Two times through is already, what, one-fifth of the season, right? Yep. If you do six starters, that's 12 starts, and it's a 60-game season. So, you know, the I think the argument is you have six quality starters, and that's not even counting Dunning and Lambert, who are or younger and less experienced. But the other argument is you want Giolito and Keuchel to make as many starts as possible. But then again, with what Cease has looked like, again, in inner squad, and Lopez has been good, too, and Gonzalez pitched well yesterday, and you have some good options. So I, I'm not completely sure what they're going to do, but it's a great option to have, right? Like you said, you can save the bullpen where maybe one day or two days it is a combined starting situation. You know, hypothetically, maybe it's uh, Rodon and Dunning and then, you know, Cease 
and Gonzalez or something like that. No one knows. You know, just hypothetically throwing out there. But it's certainly a great luxury to have. And I, you know, I, I would, barring some sort of unexpected injury or something completely unexpected in general, I would say this team is breaking camp with six starters. And then I would kind of, you know, if they took Dunning or Lambert or Detweiler, that wouldn't really be a starter, but someone who could do that if they needed it also. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, as we're taking a look at the rotation. Let's let's switch over to third base. And Yohan Moncada, back from uh, testing positive from COVID-19. Uh, word on the street is he looks okay, Merk. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, I haven't, we, we haven't seen the workouts, but Ricky once again said today he's looking good, he's responding well, and he said it would not be out of the question that he was part of one of these three exhibition games, you know, either one of the two against the Cubs or Wednesday against uh, the Brewers at home. I would say they're viewing Moncada kind of like Rick Hahn has talked about this season in the in the big picture of the rebuild going into contention. You know, the Sox want to do well this year. They would love to win it all. They would love to win the division and, you know, go from there. But they're not sacrificing this year to hurt what they believe is a five, six, seven-year run of contention. Moncada, they would love to have in the lineup opening day. He might be their best all-round player in that lineup. But they aren't going to push him for Friday just to say he's there for opening day if maybe, you know, missing the first series will make sure that he's 100% ready to, you know, to go the distance in this season. So I think that's where they're kind of, I think that, you know, that, that he's a, as Ricky pointed out, he's a young, healthy guy, which on the flip side shows you how scary this horrible thing is that a guy like Moncada, who's in, you know, peak physical condition, what is he, 24, 25? And this still hit him, you know, and he said, you know, he did feel some symptoms of it. He lost his uh, sense of taste and smell for a couple of days. So, you know, everyone, you can't stress enough. You got to be careful out there. But being a young guy, being in great shape, being a professional athlete, it will probably help his recuperative power. So I wouldn't bet against him for opening day, but I also would not bet against Ricky being very careful in terms of looking at the big picture of 60 games as opposed to just having him there one day to make sure he, you know, he starts with everyone else. Yeah, just a little reminder out there to everybody. Uh, it's sweet that he's back on the field, but losing your taste and smell, that's just not something that I think any of us want, let alone the, the, no. the way worse things that are happening. And yes, he's, I had to look it up for the record here, just to be full transparency, but he is 25, born uh, May, 20, 25. May 27, 1995, Yohan Moncada. Uh, all right, Merck, I'm up against the clock here. I got Andy Mazur coming up here, but I, l- let's just wrap it with this. It seems to me like sort of what you just said which I have been saying, this year to me feels like a no-lose. If they shock it, and shock's probably too strong. If they are in playoff contention and go to the playoffs, everyone's going to say, well, wow, the White Sox are really ahead of schedule. And if not, it's like, well, it's an odd 60-game season. The future's incredibly bright. You just want to get through this with no major injuries and see progress from your key guys. And if it ends up with a lot of winning, that'd be sweet. Yeah, I think we're all trying to get through this year in general, right? And then just hope for bigger and better things either at the end of the year or 2021. So I think the Sox the same thing. I think short of them going like 20 and 40 or worse, anything on the table is is a step forward. And if it ends up being 32-28, even if you get in a wild card game, and even if you only go the one game, well, that's a great step into what you know you hope is a bigger picture 162-game season and the beginning of your true contention drive in 2021. But I think, you know, short of a, a complete flop, which I don't expect to happen, this should be, you know, a good season for the White Sox. Now let's just put it on the record here on July, whatever it is right now. How many wins, Mark? I'll say uh, 33. 30? 33 and 27. All right, we're going to redo this at the end of the season, see how you're, if you were right, 33 and 27. All right, 27. sounds good. Mark, thanks a lot. Always appreciate it. 
Okay, Mark. Take care of yourself. Scott Merkin, MLB.com. Let's catch up with Andy Mazur next, 720 WGN. WGN, the team's flagship radio station. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly indeed. Intra-squad game tonight. Cubs and White Sox at Wrigley on Sunday night. And then back at Guaranteed Rate Field on Monday. A little summer camp, if you will. Andy Mazur, White Sox play-by-play voice on your WGN Radio, joining me now on White Sox Weekly. Andy, you getting excited? Carm, I'm uh, ready to go. I've been rehearsing and scripting all my ad-libs, ready to go for tomorrow. <laughs> it's, I mean, pretty cool, though, right? A little, little nobody in the ballpark, you versus, uh, I think there's a guy by the name of Pat Hughes over there. I don't know if they're doing the game or not, but uh, a little, little, it'll be, I don't know if it's, it's, it's certainly not going to have a playoff feel to it, but it, it'll, it'll be different than an intra-squad game tomorrow, that's for sure. Yeah, it'll be different, too, because these guys are going to play each other again in the regular season, and it'll mean something at that point, and you know, two straight games uh, against the Cubs, one at, uh, at Wrigley tomorrow and then one at Guaranteed Rate Field coming up on Monday. And uh, the weirdest part about the whole thing is that DJ and I are going to be in the Guaranteed Rate booth, uh, booth tomorrow <laughs> to do the game at Wrigley, and we'll be back there again on Monday. As a matter of fact, that is going to be our permanent home for the 2020 baseball season. Yeah, I, I I somehow forgot about that for a second. That you are not you're not traveling even across town. So you and DJ, who's bringing dinner tomorrow night, Andy? Well, we're taking volunteers. So if that's uh, if that's you with your hand up in the corner, there we'll we'll call on you. <laughs> I I wonder. I, I I'm wondering now. I'm worried about my media brethren. Is there is food going to be prepared? Because you're used to having dinner delivered over there. Maybe that you might. Uh, you know, you might have to pack a lunch this year. I don't know, but all right. Hey, let's let's yeah, get, I, I know. Let, let's get to things that, that uh, our our listeners care about here. Uh, Andy, you you've been out guaranteed. You've watched uh, a bunch of the workouts. What what's impressed you the most? I asked Merck the same question. Let's get your answer. You know, it's just kind of the the, the way things the, the way they're going about things. I mean, because you would think after the layoff that they had had the you know, last couple of weeks here of, of summer camp, you know, you'd be ready to to start facing other teams, but they've been been getting work in, and it's it's interesting to watch how they've done it. I mean, they've done it a little shorthanded without Moncada until he, he came back the other day, and uh, it's obviously given some other guys a little opportunity to get in there. Uh, Andrew Vaughn's been really impressive. I mean, this kid uh, is a uh, is a professional hitter at his young age. Being able to get up there against uh, a quality left-hander like Gio Gonzalez uh, in the uh, scrimmage game the other day and take him out to right field, I mean, the kid's got some pop. I mean, I'm not, I'm not so sure we'll, uh, we'll see a lot of them, if any of them, this year, but uh, it, it certainly bodes well for what the what the future is, and I mean I've been really really impressed with Luis Robert. Uh, not just at the bat. I mean people are going to talk about his plate appearances and uh, the fact that he's got all that pop, but watching him play the center field area out there is it's it's fun to watch because he gets excellent jumps and this guy knows how to play the outfield. I mean that's uh, literally everyone that comes on the radio or even goes to Twitter feels compelled to say something about Luis Robert. So, I mean, I guess I have to see it in the regular season to truly believe it, and not just on his Instagram account or talking to you right now or whoever else. But I'd say there's overwhelming evidence that the White Sox have a good one here in, in, in Luis Robert. I, I'm expecting uh, another step forward for... The, the left fielder as well. I mean, I think Eloy is sort of understated yeah. in his 30 bombs last year. I mean, that's not nothing for a rookie. Are you expecting the same? 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, I mean, if, if you can believe it, he looks even more confident than he was last year. And even through the struggles in the, the beginning part of the season last year, I don't think that Eli ever lost confidence in himself. But at the same time, he comes in there a year older, and, you know, it doesn't sound like a whole much, but, you know, you, you've got the guy that he understands what's expected of him more now. He knows the guys that are around him a little bit more now, and he's always got that infectious smile and personality about him. The other thing is, watch how he plays a little bit of the outfield because he's really been working hard at it. He made a couple of nice plays the other day, and again, we're talking about scrimmage games, I get that. But, you know, you, you like to see at least the, the moves and the instincts that, uh, that are starting to develop a little bit for him out there. Now, look, he's not going to have to cover nearly as much ground as he ever had to before because Robert's going to be one of those guys that's going to range over to the left center and make a lot of plays. So, you know, Eloy just has to be serviceable or better over there in the outfield to, to kind of make his worth out there. But at the plate, I'm expecting big things. I mean, I, I think he said he figured something out toward the end of last year that he hopes to carry into this year. Frank Manichino and he have been working pretty hard uh, also to kind of smooth out some of the wrinkles. But, uh, you know, Eloy is – that lineup is long and lean right now. What do you think the strength is of the White Sox in 2020, Andy? You know, right now I would have to say that it's their offense. I mean, I, I think that the the fact that that lineup gained Edwin Encarnacion and also gained uh, the guys like Nomar Mazzara and others of that ilk. I mean, these guys are, are they know what they're doing. I mean, these are professional type hitters that you're putting into a lineup that now features Yasmani Grandal and the guys like Abreu who have been there before, and, and, I, and Moncada, who knows what he's going to do again this year, and Tim Anderson. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, these, are, these are serviceable, better than serviceable. These are formidable kind of people that you have in your lineup right now that you haven't over the last few years. And the, the reason I asked that brilliant question, White Sox Weekly, Mark Harmon, your host right here, <laughs> well, it's because, it, yes, that's probably a fair answer that's the lineup, but if you look at the rotation, I, I, I listen, I'm confident that Lucas is going to be what he was last year, if not take a further step uh, forward. You didn't have Dallas Keuchel last year. Dylan Cease, I'd bet a lot of money that he's going to be better. I think that Ronaldo Lopez is going to be better. You've got Rodon coming back. You've got Gonzalez sitting there. And then you've got young guys like Dunning and Lambert. The rotation should be a zillion times better than it was last year, I would I would imagine. Aren't these great, great problems to have? I mean, these are the kind of things that, uh, that Rick Hahn was talking about uh, when the rebuild started. And then even now, after you know the post-rebuild kind of a situation at this point, but these are the kind of things you want to have. I mean, these are, you want to have those competitions with, among your own players to – to make them better, make each one of them better. And, and I completely agree with you about the rotation as well. But, you know, for consistency's sake, you know, you, you look to Dylan Cease. I think Dylan Cease might be the, the key to that whole rotation at this point. And I really liked what I saw from him when we were in Arizona, figuring out the, the cut on that fastball a little bit and also being able to, to kind of command things a little bit more. I know in the back of his mind he's worrying about pitch economy and pitch efficiency because, you know, a lot of times last year he'd give up 40 pitches in the first inning and that would mean a five-inning start. And he was getting stronger as the game was going on. So I think he wants to you know, work his way through those innings a little bit better and uh, to stick around a little further uh, in a game because he's got that stuff. I mean, he's got electric stuff. And, you know, the other, the other X factor to me, Karma, is, is uh, Lopez. I mean, we've seen great. We've seen not so great. We've seen kind of in between. Uh, you know, this is another year within the system and another year working with uh, Don Cooper and Ricky Renteria and now working with a guy like Yasmani Grandal. I, you know, you would expect some big things from him, too. 
Last one, Andy Mazur on his way to a power dinner here coming up. I think it's a big day in the Mazur household. I, there, there's a rumor, by the way, there's a four-legged friend that's uh, a new acquisition uh, by Andy playing GM over there. Uh, you can speak to that if you'd like, but, of course, that's your personal life, and you don't have to share anything, even though I just brought it up. Uh, the, what what level of uh, confidence do you have in the bullpen? Because we haven't, uh, haven't touched on that yet today. Steve Ciszek's coming up at 630, uh, but that should be an improved entity, too, I would think, although Colome was phenomenal last year at the back end. Not sure if he can quite duplicate that but maybe he can yeah i mean uh i think that the bullpen got a little deeper as well you know when you bring up a guy like c shack who uh is used to 80 games a year maybe and now he's gonna only have to do 60 so he could probably pitch in every every single game that uh, that we have on the schedule here but another year of aaron bummer another year uh, more of uh, evan marshall uh, i'm not exactly sure what the what the situation is going to be with guys like jace fry and and ian hamilton if they're going to figure into the uh, the equation but you know, now you've got Carlos Rodon as well, because if they go with a six-man rotation, you expect him probably to be in that rotation. Uh, if not, I would think that he'd be that great swing opportunity, swing guy, to, to give you some length out of the bullpen, maybe even give you some short, uh, short days. He's got great stuff. Uh, and that's one of the benefits of this season starting when it did, because uh, Rodon would not, have been, uh, would not have been available if this season started in April. So it, it, there's, there's a lot to like about that pen, too. I'm, I'm curious to see... Uh, what Herrera is going to do, bouncing back uh, from uh, a rather tough year last year with injuries and uh, ineffectiveness as well. So hopefully he's going to be uh, a lot better this year than he was last. And since you brought it up, yes, I did acquire a, a four-legged five-star athlete today uh, by the name of Otis. And uh, <laughs> Otis is a, a cute little 10-week-old pup that uh, is now gracing the household and uh, lightening, livening things up a little bit. He's a ball of energy. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're happy to have him around. Uh, Otis is a, you know, he's a blue chipper. We uh, had to go through a lot to recruit him, and uh, a lot of that bureaucratic red tape, but we got it. We got our guy. Did, did you say 10-month or 10-year? Ten 10-week. Ten 10-week. Ten 10-week. Ten okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, 10-week. Yeah. And is Otis named after 55 or Redding or who we got? Or is it just you like the name? Well, I'm going to leave that up to the imagination. I've heard everything from Otis Day and the Nights to Otis Wilson to uh, you know t- take your take your pick. Well, I, I, I might have to dial up a little. Perfect. Maybe we'll go a little old school just for me. Orlando Woolridge, the Big O. That's actually the Big O would be Oscar Robertson. So now, you got a lot of, which is not an Otis. Uh, neither is Orlando or okay. an Otis. But I'm just thinking O works for me on some level. Uh, Congratulations on the purchase. I, I, you're 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 uh, you're gonna have a lot of fun with having an animal around, Andy. I'm jealous. So yeah, I know you're. Uh, you're are you you're sitting for one right I, now? I, w- I was sitting for uh, Luna the dog. We had to give her give Luna yeah. back to my brother. Uh, so it was a very emotional okay. emotional night in the Carmen household <laughs> last night because we love Luna. Hey, Andy, thanks for jumping yeah. on. Have a ton of fun tomorrow night, and uh, of course we'll uh, be right. seeing you all season long. Sounds good. Thanks, Carl. Andy Mazur, voice of your Chicago White Sox on the radio here at 720 WGN. White Sox emails bring the ballpark to you with the latest videos, breaking team news, special offers, and more. Register for free today at whitesox.com slash email. And don't miss a minute of White Sox baseball past and present on the official White Sox YouTube channel. From exclusive game day footage to historic moments, we've got it all. You can subscribe today at youtube.com slash White Sox. We're going to hear a little bit from Nick Madrigal uh, coming on back here as he met with reporters. I actually have not heard that because it was right before the show, but since Merck said it was so impressive, I want I want to hear young Madrigal. And then coming up, 
Uh, after 6 o'clock, we'll have Dylan Cease with you, followed by Steve Ciszek. White Sox Weekly till 7 on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Excited to hear from Dylan Cease coming up at the top of the hour, followed by Steve Ciszek. Stay up to date, by the way, on all things White Sox by following the team's official social media accounts. Don't miss a minute of the action on and off the field. Follow the at White Sox on social today. And we're going to hear from Nick Madrigal, who was on the Zoom call with the reporters. Uh, We'll play a little snippet of that coming up here. Uh, And then we'll get a bit of Carlos Rodon as well. Uh, This portion of White Sox Weekly sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. All right, let's hear a little Nick Madrigal meeting the media just a little bit ago. Yeah, I think it was either Joe McEwing or Ricky who said that they saw a difference in you from even spring training to the summer camp. Can you talk about just how you feel different during the, you know, in that three and a half month time span? Yeah, um, you know, I had a lot of time to kind of evaluate how I was playing in spring training and just kind of slow things down. Um, I feel like in spring training, um, you know, I I feel like I was, you know, not pressing, but I feel like I just not as comfortable as I am now. Um, For whatever reason, just things weren't kind of bouncing my way in spring training. But this time around, I feel like I'm more relaxed and kind of just enjoying the ride more, um, more so trying to, you know, trying to force the results. Um, you know, I, I feel like even with the guys um, here, I feel like I've gotten closer to, and uh, that's helped my on the field play, just being more comfortable with them. And uh, yeah, but I feel really good this time around. Did you feel like you were trying to prove too much everything you were doing in spring training? Was that part of it? Uh, I think maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've always wanted to, you know, show everyone, you know, what kind of player I am. Um, You know, usually that doesn't work the best for me on the field. Um, But yeah, like I said, this time around, I'm kind of just more enjoying it more and uh, it's starting to show more on the field. James Fegan, next. And Nick, uh, when we talked to Frank Manichino, he said that he felt like your bat path was cleaner uh, this month than it maybe even was in March. What did you kind of put into uh, improve that and, and what benefits have you been seeing over these past few weeks so one of the big things uh in spring training i was kind of kind of messing around with uh different weights in my bats and uh i swung a little bit heavier bat in the first spring training and uh you know it's something i was just kind of testing out but um i at the end of the day i didn't really feel comfortable with it um towards the end of the first spring training i started going back to my um my lighter bat and i felt a little bit better um and then this time around i i I went lighter than the first spring training so i think that has something to do with it um i also think that i kind of just got back to my roots and not try to do too much like i was talking about and just uh kind of you know not trying to hit the home run or trying to get too big just kind of staying with my strengths and uh I, i think it's a combination of all those things is this the weight that you've been using for or years now that you're currently using? Um, so I have always swung a 3330 um, this year. Right now I'm swinging a 3330 and a quarter. So it's a little bit heavier than years past, but um, um, it's a lot closer than the first spring training, what I'm, what I'm using now. Where's Levine? Hi, Nick. Uh, taking it a step further, um, you said that uh, metrics people and the coaching staff said you know it's great that you make uh 
contact, but you have to make harder contact. How is that working out? And was that overestimating? I mean, you can't have everything. I mean, you've always been a contact guy. Don't you think that uh, hitting the ball harder is going to come with a little bit of maturity and a little bit of, uh, of strength as you get older? I do, yeah. I mean, I've talked to even older guys, and they, they've all told me that, you know, they're not really worried about, you know, me hitting for a ton of power right now. They, I've heard many stories where guys say that, you know, they haven't, you know, gained the power till later in the career, a couple years into the show. Um, so that's something I've, you know, really not worried about a whole lot. Um, you know, maybe in the first spring training, that was kind of on my mind, kind of trying to do too much, like I said. But um, I feel like at the end of the day, if I'm – getting on base no matter if it's soft or hard or whatever it looks like I mean as long as I'm getting the job done um you know I'm not going to be too worried about it Vinny Duber next hey Nick I know you know whether it was back in March or coming up here you know you said that the the whether where you're going to be on opening day is out of your control and everything but kind of expecting and then hearing officially that there would be no minor league season how did that kind of uh impact what was going through your head here at summer camp um you know I I like I said I mean it was a it was a lot of time I I had to you kind of evaluate things um from the first spring training and um you know I was just happy to get things going again you know I know a lot of people were trying to figure out if there was even going to be a season um to be honest I I tried to stay as ready as I could I I never really you know took my foot off the gas in, in that time um time period mentally and physically. Um, but yeah, just coming into it, um, you know, w- whatever is going to happen, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I always say it, but it is out of my control. You know, I, I really do want to be a part of this team from the start. Um, I feel like, you know, I deserve it, but I mean, you know, like I said, it's kind of in the hands of, you know, the bosses and the coaches and whatever works for them. Um, but like I said, I mean, I, I've never wanted something so much in my life just to be a part of this team right now, and I feel like I can help this team win um, on the field. And uh, I don't know, it should should come out in the next couple of days, um, and you know, I'm excited to see what they say. There we go, Nick Madrigal meeting the media just a little bit earlier today. The White Sox uh, getting ready for an intra-squad game tonight, and then the Cubs at Wrigley tomorrow, followed by the Cubs at Guaranteed Rate Field on Monday. I, I think, look, he is not going to go about his business any different than if there's a minor league season or not a minor league season. He's been wanting to play at the big league level since last year. And he started at high A last year and moved up three levels. And he thought in spring training last year, Nick Madrigal thought that he was ready. That seems a little bit tall, but you got to love the confidence. And the power thing, like whether that's going to come along or not, he's not going to be a power guy. He's just not, which is totally fine. Top of the order, guy that gets on base, sets the stage, a little old school. I'm 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 all here for it. You don't need to you know be swinging some big heavy bat and hitting 20 bombs. That'd be sweet, but it's I don't think it's necessary. He's going to play I think a very very solid second base and he's going to be a guy that if he can max out, I think, his, his offensive capabilities, he'll be a consistent guy at the top of the order. Or if that if it goes the other way, then he'll be a guy at the bottom of the order who gives you great defense. But if I had to bet on what Nick Madrigal's going to be, he's going to be in that one or two slot, and he's going to cause a lot of problems. He's going to steal some bases for you. And I bet the uh, the narrative will at some point will switch like, you know what, 
the old school leadoff guy is back, and the White Sox have one in Nick Madrigal. See your future, be your future. Carm told you on White Sox Weekly that article will be written somewhere by somebody, maybe Scott Merkin, MLB.com, who was on the show earlier today. The White Sox have the quintessential leadoff hitter, and that's why they're one of the best teams in baseball. Dateline 2021 at some point. All right, news coming up here, and then Dylan C, 720 WGN. At the wall, a 380, gone. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. 609 White Sox Weekly till 7, then Sports Central coming along when Kevin Powell will join me, but somehow he's snuck into the studio and he's here right now. What's up, KP? I completely mix up the schedule. I thought I started at 6 with the Carm. I come in, you say no White Sox Weekly still going. We're, you know, I'm not completely dialed in on our new programming schedule with baseball starting again. It's, so it's, I apologize. It, I don't know if I'm early or late. You're you're uh, you're actually right on time okay, and you're perfect. perfect. And we and Dylan Cease is uh, going to be coming up here uh, for those who are excited for Cease in, in in 7 minutes. So we'll, we'll get to that which gives me an opportunity. And by the way, 312-981-7200. KP, what are you most excited about 2020 version of your Chicago White Sox? I realize this is kind of just the stock answer, I think, for a lot of White Sox fans. Luis right Robert? Now. Luis Robert. Everybody says Luis Robert. Luis Robert. Luis Robert. I think it's... I mean, you hear other players talking about him, and it's they sound like they're almost just fans of him. Like, what if you're talking to a White Sox fan who's super pumped about it? I'm just super excited about everything White Sox at this point. I mean, like, can Tim Anderson replicate what he did last year? How great can Yoan Moncada be? Can Lucas Giolito replicate what he did last season what can dylan cease do after what we the filth he was throwing the other day i mean that was like wiffle ball stuff he looks locked in i I mean there's just so much so many reasons to be excited you have a dh and edwin encarnacion that can actually hit you have a pair of catchers one of them who might be the best in baseball uh the list goes on how many eloy jimenez I mean, it's it's an endless amount of excitement. Fifty-one wins and nine <laughs> losses, my friend. <laughs> I think la- last week, my first prediction on the year was that the White Sox would finish six and two, and we'd play eight games of baseball. So let's just assume that I'm wrong about that, and we're going to make it through the season. Uh, they, I will be extremely disappointed if they are not a- at bare minimum an over five hundred club. Yeah, it's interesting because Vegas. You know, we always talk about how dialed in Vegas is they almost nail like you know lines odds whatever it may be what are they 25 and a half what is it no I think it's higher than that I think they're like 33 or so I think it's like between it depends on what you look like 30 31 32 30 but my point is is that if you look at all the win totals that Vegas is projecting 80 percent of the league is kind of around the same number the Yankees and the Dodgers are are have the highest win total projections we're, t- we're talking wins over under in vegas and then there are a couple teams at the bottom that vegas is kind of completely you know like you have like the orioles royals teams like that but for the most part if you look top to bottom most of the teams are around the same win total that vegas is predicting to me that tells me that this season is just so up in the air we don't know what it's going to look like you got them there did you pull them yeah up? i pulled them up so the Dodgers are at 38. Mm-hmm. The Braves are at 33.5. The Nationals, 33. The Cubs are at 32.5, which seems, I would say, that's very high. Uh, no bullpen. Reds, 31.5. Mets, 31.5. Phillies, 31.5. 
Cardinals 31.5, Diamondbacks 31, Brewers 30.5. Uh, this is all I'm going as I'm, I'm, I'm ripping through the National League. Then you go over to the American League. The Yankees are tops in the American League at 37.5. The Astros at 35. I'm kind of bothered by the fact that there's no fans to boo the Astros this year. The Twins, the White Sox, in theory, biggest competition in the Central's at 34. The Rays at 34. The Athletics, 32.5. The Indians at 32.5. And, and then there are the White Sox, 31.5, along with the Boston Red Sox. So expected to be one game behind Cleveland for third place in the AL Central if Vegas has it right. Right. This is, but look at my, that's my point. I mean, look how many teams are, are within a game or two. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if this is a 162-game season, you have win discrepancies top to bottom that could be 30, 40 games, right? I mean, a team that's going to win in the 60s or 70s compared to a team that's going to win close to 100. Here, we're talking about two, three games separating a large chunk of Major League Baseball. My point is that this season is just... We have no idea what it's going to look like. And Absolutely ve- none. And, and Vegas always knows. So the White Sox are either going to win 31 or 32 games because somehow, some way, they, they always are right. Hey, let's uh, let's get to our guy Dylan Cease coming on back here. Uh, White Sox, I'm thinking he'll be the third starter this year. That makes sense with uh, Giolito and Keuchel at the top. We agree with that third starter, Dylan Cease? Uh, yeah. Why not, right? Sure. Why not Rodon? And then we'll figure out how that goes with uh, with Gio and Rodon. And uh, Ronaldo's got to, I guess, be, be fourth. So. It doesn't really matter at this point what the rotation is going to be because who knows how they're going to s- stack these guys up when the season moves that, on. That's a whole other thing, too. I mean, they might they might pitch two starters in one day. We'll see how Ricky wants to go about it. Dylan Cease next. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. It's 720 WGN. Dylan Cease is going to win 20 games this year. Okay, that's not going to happen. It's a 60-game season. But if it was 162, you would, Dylan. Uh, yeah. So how are you feeling coming into this crazy times, right? Yeah, I feel great. I feel I feel ready to get started. What uh, has been the biggest challenge for you just keeping yourself, uh, I guess, in pitching shape and also in good mental shape with the pandemic? Yeah, I think mentally for sure is the biggest challenge, just not knowing, you know, not knowing how, how much to throw, how to prepare when you don't, when you have an open-ended, you know, start date. Um, you know, just, just staying motivated over that couple months um, of, not, of not knowing what was going to happen was tough. But, uh, you know, right now it's, we're so close that, um, you know, it's, it's, we're ready to go. How often, you know, were you throwing if we, you know, go all the way back to after spring training number one, you know, ended and where did you go, Dylan? Were you at home or how did, how did that all go down? I was in Kennesaw, Georgia. And, uh, so I had a stretch of probably about a month at home where I didn't get off the mound, but I was just throwing on the sidewalk with my brother. And then, uh, I was able to get off the mound about twice a week throughout most of, uh, most of, um, the break. And how many pitches were you throwing? Like, how would you do it? Like, hey, I'm just going to go until I feel fatigued, or were you monitoring it? How does how does a professional on your level kind of determine that? On so on Tuesdays, I would throw pretty much like what I would consider my my bullpen for my game. Like, so my day two, just practice for my game on day five, and then um, on Friday or Saturday, I would end up throwing um, like a simulated bullpen where I'd pretty much be max effort and I'd get up and down two or three times. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's kind of weird to even 
have this question or just the thought of it, but like if this was a normal July, whatever it is, like do you feel like like you're sort of in midseason form or like to that level of fatigue, or do you feel like this is opening day? Um, no, I think the body, my body's still going to have to get used to, um, you know, more intensity because it's, you can't really simulate, even when you're doing inter squads, it's not the same as facing, you know, another team for, for a major league game. Um, so I think there's still going to be a little bit of the body needing to get ready to throw with that much intensity. But other than that, like stuff wise and execution wise, I feel like I'm, um, where I need to be. I was wondering about that from the intra-squad part like do you there's got to be party that's like see you're my teammate and yes by the way if if i faced you in a game you'd have no chance like that that's got to be fun right yeah i mean i I never you know would think that about my teammates but um it is it it definitely can be fun and especially facing your friends get bragging rights right who's anybody anybody talking a little chirping going on over there uh no not you know, yesterday was a good outing to where I there wasn't much room for it. I think. Yeah, I gotta tell. I mean, from my vantage point watching Dylan, it, it looks like your stuff is as good as it's ever been. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so you you've definitely been doing something right here. How are yep. you? How are you looking at the jump from 2019 to 2020 for you? What's what's outside of you know? I guess throwing more strikes, going deeper in a ball game. What, what are what are some of the things you're trying to pinpoint? What you you know are focusing on? Uh, big thing is not uh, not having the fastball cut as much. Um, throwing a changeup for strikes, and then you know if I can do what I did with my off speed last night, it's it's going to be a, a good year, I think. Um, you know, I feel like last year I pretty much. I performed almost as poorly as I could, so uh, this year it's it's got to be a, a step up. So that's interesting. Your assessment of last year is that you were basically at the low end of, of whatever your expectations are for your performance. Like, yes, definitely. How, how would can you underline that a little bit? Like, what was the most disappointing part? Uh, most disappointing was just not having good command. Um, I felt like my stuff. I fixed it a little bit in September. It got better, but for most of the year, it was just one of those years where it was like a, you know, it was like a grind and a fight where I felt like I was, you know, trying to find it, trying to find it every day and, and searching for it. Whereas, you know, right now I feel like I don't even have to think about it. I'm just, I'm just throwing and and trying to be as nasty as I can be. Do you think that's just the natural progression of last year jumping into the big leagues, and you just you're going to have to get comfortable? I mean, you basically can point to. I don't know, 85% of all pitchers who went through that. Is that how you're looking at it? Um, yeah, I, I think it really just comes down to uh, are you executing pitches or not? And last year I didn't execute pitches, and, uh, you know, the big league hitters are going to make you pay for that. Yeah. Did you get with Lucas at all to discuss his progression as well? I, I know you guys uh, obviously have, you know, your teammates, the relationship and whatnot, but was anything different this offseason kind of, you know, I don't know, strategizing-wise? Yeah, I mean, we definitely talked talk about you know mechanical stuff and, and all that um I, I picked his brain throughout the year last year because he, he pretty much went through you know went through what i was going through so uh he, he was a, a good resource yeah yeah it, it's it's an interesting combination the two of you dylan i feel like you both you both are operating on a i don't know a similar brain path does that make sense yeah i know what you're saying yeah yeah it's a uh, it's it's uh, it's always interesting to talk to you guys, and I appreciate you doing this. By the way, Wh- how how are you looking at uh, 
I don't know. It's crazy 60-game season. What's possible for the team? I feel great about it. I feel really optimistic. Um, this lineup has, you know, more depth than any team I've ever been on. Um, you know, the pitching staff has a ton of potential. It's just, you know, do we play up? Do we play up to our potential, or do we don't? Is really what it comes down to. We, you know, we've got playoff. We've got playoff talent for sure. So, um, right now, I feel really optimistic. And this is maybe more of a media narrative than a player, but the way the way I see it, Dylan, you guys basically have nothing to lose. It's either okay, it's a weird sixty game season, and you're still young, and it's sort of a developmental year, or you go out and you shock. I don't know, shocks. Maybe shocks too strong, but you you go out and you make the playoffs, and then people are like, "Whoa, the White Sox are ahead of schedule." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really you know, it's going to be a sprint if we can get hot hot early. Um, you know, we've got a chance. There's really you know, I don't want to sit here and you know say we we have to do it, we have to do this or that. But I mean, with the talent level we have, we need to we need to be either closer or in it. You know? Yeah. What What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, so our lineup for one, you know, I feel like really we've got no holes in there, and then um, our bullpen is nasty, and our starting rotation is good. You know, that's. That's that's a combination for the playoffs if you put it all together. Okay, so you're saying like the the floor is that you guys are going to be close. And yeah, I think so. I, I don't see why not. But obviously, it's there's a lot of factors. It's a 60 game sprint. There's things we can't control. But um, I, if we, if we play to our ability, we we have to be close at yeah. the very least. That's how I see it. I'm like I see a team that's that's loaded over there. So yeah. uh, um, you know, fingers crossed that it goes that way for you. Um, have you have you talked to Michael Kopech at all? I'm assuming not, but uh, you know, how, how, that's obviously you're you've got some care for your teammate going on right now. Yeah, um, you know, I, I completely understand his decision. Um, now I'll definitely be in touch with him, and you know, if he needs anything or or anything like that. But um, you know, I completely understand it. Um, and it, it just, it's sad for me because he's so nasty. Um, I don't get to watch him this year, which is unfortunate, but you know, I think he'll come back as, as strong as ever next year. Did you have to kind of go back and forth yourself of whether you wanted to play? I didn't know. Yeah. It, it's, it's all in individual circumstances, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, he's, he's married. He's got, he's got other things going on that I don't, that, you know, for me, it's, it's, I'm willing to risk it, but you know, it's just it's it's different situation for everybody. Anybody in your family try to talk you out of it? Uh, no, no. That's go family. Got it. You you got to support. Young they, they like watching. They like watching baseball too much. <laughs> well, there you go. It's not just about the son. It's about their own personal interests, right there. Oh, definitely. So, uh, just a couple more, and then we'll let you go. And I appreciate the time again. But uh, who who would you say? Has been the toughest White Sox player for you to face? Oh, Romine for sure. That guy's hitting like seven hundred, uh, seven hundred off me right now. What? What is it about him? He? I, I mean, don't know. <laughs> veteran, veteran hitter. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you when you look at at Luis Robert hitting a home run while falling down, that was hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Have you ever seen anybody do that before? No. I mean, I don't know if it's ever been done. Yeah, I've, okay. I mean, I don't know if it's been done either, I guess. Have you, do you ever do you ever check out his Instagram? Um, 
don't I don't know if I follow him. Is it do I need to check it out? Uh, he's he's out there. I, I think it's I I find him very entertaining, and I kind of sort of worry. Like, are you putting too much pressure on yourself? Because he's you know he's 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 got some confidence flowing there. But I think that's I think that's sweet. That look, he's just enjoying his life and uh, you know having some fun playing the game. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, with someone as hyped as that, I don't know how you wouldn't you know wouldn't put that much pressure on yourself, but. At the end of the day, I, I think he's going to have a really strong support structure here. Um, you know, and just he, you know, he's going to be told, "Hey, you, you don't have to do anything more than what you do. You're, you're talented. You're going to be a great player. Just, just relax and do what you're capable." You know. Yeah. Last two here. Leader yeah. of the pitching staff right now. Who would you say, if there is Leader? one? Yeah. Uh, I think it's 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 tough because you got you got Keiko and Gio who have been here in our veteran presence and. Uh, you know, Gio as in Gio Gonzalez, and you got Gio Giolito, who was an All Star last year. So, I mean, definitely, definitely those three. It's not me, I can tell you that. Yeah, uh, Dallas coming over that can be a big deal, right? The guy who's been in the yeah. in, in the wars, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's already helped me out for sure. Yeah, and so who outside of the staff, who who in, in the clubhouse right now is maybe. I don't know, the loudest slash uh, maybe holding guys accountable at the same time. Maybe it's not the loudest. Maybe it's more of a Jose Abreu that you'd say. I, I don't know. Where, where would you go? I, I always think McCann holds guys accountable uh, really well. He, he's definitely got that that captain mentality and that captain vibe. Um, gosh. You know, I think for the most part, uh, we're all holding ourselves accountable is what it feels like. White Sox 2020 and beyond. Let's go. Yep. yep. D- Dylan, have a ton of fun this year. Stay safe and all that, and I uh, appreciate you being on today and, and look forward to watching you come uh, you. next week, I guess. Yes, sweet. Yeah, I know. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep, 720 WGN. That's my guy, Dylan Cease. And, uh, yes, the White Sox Charities. So- How smart, before I get into this, the, is, does, am I the only one who just listens to Dylan Cease and thinks that not only can he pitch for the White Sox, but probably could do your taxes and maybe figure out how to put a, a rocket ship on uh, on the moon slash Jupiter, KP? Calculated answers from Dylan Cease. Man is, no messing around. He's way too smart to be an athlete. Although him, I, in a, I think we should do like remember the $64,000 pyramid question thingy that they used to do way back in the day before you were born yeah no chance no i I, whatever put him on put him on jeopardy cease versus giolito love it throw rick hahn they got some really smart guys on this ball club i mean mean, these dudes are are serious a white Sox charity socks car raffle is back by popular demand it starts july the 24th you can enter to win a white Sox themed mazda cx30 that's courtesy of mazda of orland park New this season, the car was designed by a White Sox fan. Visit whitesox.com slash Soxcar for more information that's valid for Illinois residents only. And White Sox emails bring the ballpark to you with the latest videos, breaking team news, special offers, and more. Register for free today at whitesox.com slash email. Coming on back with Steve Ciszek, White Sox reliever. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. WGN, the team's flagship radio station. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. It's 720 WGN. Thank you for putting on White Sox Weekly baseball with Insight. And I think Steve Ciszek is going to throw about 40 games out of the 60 this year. Any truth to that rumor, Steve? How are you feeling? 
<laughs> right now, I feel like I could, but I know when it comes down to that stretch, it might be pushing it a little bit. There, there was a little narrative out there that, oh, you know, the Cubs overworked Steve Ciszek and that he needed some time off. Was, would you say that's true or kind of just a media thing that was put out there? Um, I'd say it's more media. Like I, I remember, in, I think it was eighteen uh, through, including the one playoff game, eighty-one appearances. And yeah, sure, I was pretty tired after that season. Arm was a little tired, but I bounced back fine. I started off, you know, the first half of last season, great. Um, you know, it's just I, I feel like you know this extra time didn't really matter. And the one thing we did that um, I think kind of hurt me a little bit last year is we kind of took it easy during spring training. Uh, just because I had the workload in 18, and it kind of, I, I didn't feel right for a while. Even though I did all right in the first half, there were some couple outings that were real inconsistent early on. And so for me, I just like to get like my workload in as much as possible now, so that way that during the season I can bounce back quicker. So that's interesting that you were kind of backed off because you had worked so hard. But you're 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 a guy that needs that feel, right? It's it's I don't know if it's is, is that something that you've always felt like throughout your career. Yeah, I mean, if you watch my delivery, there's knees and elbows flying everywhere. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. And for me, feel getting feel for my stuff is, is very important, um, especially if I'm like, you know, you ride you ride the roller coaster when you're a reliever. You got your highs where you're just everything's flowing great, you're on time. Then you got your lows where it's just like, man, I can't. I feel like I'm getting my foot down, my arm is way behind. And so you want to ride those highs as long as you can, but also stay consistent. So for me, getting consistent work is key. See, I didn't want to play amateur pitching coach, Steven, but I was going to say, well, you've got a kind of a funky motion. It would maybe make sense that you need to be out there just to get into the actual groove of where you want to be. But I, I appreciate you for naming it. But, I, you know, I don't like when radio guys do that. Like, what the hell do I know? <laughs> you guys watch a lot of baseball. You, you know more than you think. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. Were you surprised that the team that came after you this offseason was the White Sox? Um, You know, not not so much because right after the World Series, according to my agent, you know the White Sox called pretty quick. Um, they were one of the first teams to call just to check in. You know, what I mean, not to make an offer, but so when they when my agent told me that, I'm like, all right, here we go. Like, you know, I know they're these guys are going to be trying to build a little bit this year, and sure enough, they did. And I was one of the later pieces, so I was happy to be like, yeah, you guys want to make this happen? I'm, I'm all about it. You know, you put all these pieces together. I want to be a part of that. So, um, it, it wasn't too big of a surprise. So seeing it from afar, but then seeing it actually up close and now in, I guess, whatever we're calling this, workouts or spring training part two, is it been kind of eye-opening? Like how much, I, I know this, these are your teammates, you're not going to say anything negative here, but it's like, has it been eye-opening just to see, whoa, there really is a lot of talent here? Does it stand out? Oh, yeah. I mean, I noticed it back in the original spring training. It was like, well, you see it on paper, you're like, all right. And then you see, especially like the young talent. Like, I know what the veteran guys can do, but the young talent here is, is pretty eye-opening. You know, our, <laughs> Luis uh, Robert in center field is an absolute animal. And so I'm really excited to watch him play. Um, you know, I've, I've seen what Eloy can do. You know, I was on the <laughs> the other end of that last year, you know, watching it. Um, and yeah. It was scary. So. Um, yeah, the, the talent here, you know, is is outstanding. So it's really cool to kind of see it all come together. And, um, you know, I was really disappointed we couldn't already have a season because I was, you know, excited to get the season started and see what we could do. But I'm just glad that we do have these games coming up. We had Dylan Cease on the show earlier today, and, you know, Luis Robert came up there as well. And he had never seen anybody fall down and hit a home run. You're a little bit more of a veteran than Dylan. Have you seen someone fall down and take it out of the ballpark? 
I'm not sure I have, to be quite honest. I've seen guys swing from a knee and hit it out, but not literally fall down flat on the ground and still drive a ball out. I've seen, well, when I was talking about Eloy, a broken bat fly out of the ballpark, which was sort of a rare thing. I think I've only seen Giancarlo Stanton do that back in the minor leagues when I played with him. And so, you know, I mean, Eloy's got some insane pop, um, so it shouldn't surprise me. But, yeah, it was it was it's definitely unique. And you're making me think back to last year, Sox at Wrigley, and of course you were on the other side at that point, but when Eloy hit that home run, Steve, I thought that uh, they were playing on the south side. There was a lot of noise going on there from the White Sox fans. It was loud. It was loud. And I remember after the game, you know, I was you know, talking about him like, dude, that guy just broke his bat and hit that thing out of here. Like, what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> I mean, he made you pitch. It just, you know, just went out of the park. Yeah, that was Okay, when you're, I guess, that big and strong, you can you can do things like that. So let, let's talk sort of elephant in the room here with the coming back to play in the middle of the pandemic. And you had been somewhat vocal beforehand saying you didn't want to play in a situation where guys were going to be quarantined. Uh, but now, you know, you've you got to take on the travel and all of that. How, how are you feeling about being out there? And would you say you're, you know, going to the ballpark every day? It, it feels even close to normal. Yeah, you know, early on, I, I said that too because they were talking about our families not coming. For me, that would have been an issue with that. You know, if we were to play four months of a season, um, it's obviously different now. Our family, my family's with me. You know, we've been good about being, you know, staying in at our at our place, and um, and so for me, I, I actually feel safer now. Um, you know, when I was in Florida, talk started happening where we looked like we were going to start in like you know mid June or something, or and uh, so I'm like, well. I got to get like, not that I wasn't working out at home. I was, but it's a whole nother level when you're able to actually get in a gym and throw with other human beings instead of a net. Like I got to get going. I got to throw to catcher. Like we need to get this started. So for like two months, I was throwing to catchers, facing hitters. Um, I even played in one game before coming out here and we're not getting tested. I was, it was complete risk. Um, so the fact that, you know, I didn't get it while, you know, in Florida is a praise, but I, I was like, if, Anything we do during this season is going to be way safer than what I was doing just to prepare for the season. So I, my family and I feel a lot more comfortable actually being out here. Yeah, it's super interesting. So you, you've basically felt like you had to take that risk because, look, if it, you know, we get out there right now and I'm not ready, that's going to be a big-time problem. Yeah, I'm gonna. I can hurt my arm. Um, I could, you know, not being prepared. You know, letting the team down. You know, and knowing that I should have been preparing. Um, and so, yeah, I, obviously, I wanted to get the work in to to prepare for a season. That's just the way I, you know, I have to. Does doing all that work almost feel like a season in itself? Like it almost, you know, you yes, it's July and you guys haven't played a game, but you've been working out this much, so it's sort of like mid July as far as how your arm feels. Or I, I, also, I, I guess I read something earlier this week that you feel like you're it's it's just past spring training, like you're past the dead arm phase. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm trying to get you're right. I'm trying to get through that dead arm phase. I went back to back early since being here this summer, um, just because I threw low pitch count. I was like, I can I get back out there because I want to get that part of <laughs> the dead arm over with, and we were able to do it. So, yeah, that's a big thing. Um, but you know, I, I I was going pretty hard in Florida in terms of facing hitters. It was like twice a week, and like I said, I pitched in the game, and that helped me out a ton. Just from an endurance standpoint. So when I came out here, I threw my first bullpen, live BP. It wasn't a big deal. You know, I, I was barely sore until I actually pitched in the game. And when you pitch in a game, it's just a whole other level. You can't replicate it. So, uh, of course, I was sore after that. Um, but if I had I not trained in Florida, I, I wouldn't be feeling very good at all. But I feel fresh. White Sox reliever Steve Ciszek with us here for a couple more moments on 720 WGN. It's White Sox Weekly. 
Anybody on the Cubs you want to face this week? <laughs> Whoever steps in the box, you know. <laughs> I always, you always have this, like, I wouldn't say a grudge, but, you know, a chip on your shoulder when you're facing older teams. You know, it's some of the guys you're friends with and stuff like that, and you don't want your boys to get a hit off you. So, and I almost feel that way in these inner squads. I'm like, I can't let these guys get hit off me. They're my teammates, and I don't want to hear it in the locker room. So there's that competitive edge that, you know, keeps us going. <laughs> That's I asked Dylan the same thing. It's like, whoa, you know, I see you every day. I definitely want to strike you out. Like, yep. I, I think that's high motivation, right? Yeah, I'm going for lumber early, and if I get two strikes, I'm trying to strike them out for sure. So I'm going to try to carry that into the season, no doubt. Just for those at home who don't understand that, I believe you mean you're trying to break their bats when you say going uh, for lumber? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to break their bats. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, you know, I, it's, you know, I, I got to make sure all our listeners are on board here. And I, I was also just making sure for myself as I well. Appreciate it. So I, I want to, like, a little off the field stuff here. Is it true? That you won't eat lobster and or crab legs, and you have a huge phobia. Is that accurate? <laughs> that, that might be partially true. I, uh, I I like king crab legs now. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but uh, if, if if I see a crab or a lobster alive around me, I I lose it as if it were like if someone had arachnophobia or something. They're scared of spiders. Like I'm terrified of lobsters and crabs, and don't ask me why. I I think I was just haunted when I was a kid with them. It sounds to me like you've been eating a Joe Stone crab and realize how delicious it is. The first, yeah, that's a good point. So the first crab leg I had was at Joe Stone crab, and I was like, you know what? That's actually really good. I don't know why I've been holding out this whole time. And, yes, ever since then I've been eating them. You do it with the mustard or the butter? Butter. Oh, wow. See, okay. I, I was with you. I, you got to try, try the mustard one time. I'm telling you it's delicious. <laughs> right. it's, it's, a, it's, it's a huge winner. Hey, it's awesome what you're doing with Cameo, too. You're trying to um, raise money, and you're, you're charged. What are you raising money for again, Steve? Uh, no Kid Hungry. Yeah, they uh, – so – Early, early, early on, my first signed up for Cameo it was like it had you choose, and I was like, yeah, of course I'd like to support No Kid Hungry. So I wasn't expecting to get a bunch of uh, Cameo requests, being a middle relief pitcher, but we did all right. You know, I was able to raise three hundred dollars, and now um, you know, I just actually had a Cameo today, so I'm still raising up. Once I get to another three hundred dollars, I'll send it in, and so on. So, yeah, I'm just gonna keep it going. So go to Cameo, hit up Steve Ciszek, give him 20 bucks, and it goes to a great cause. I actually think you should charge a couple of dollars more, Steve, but hey, uh, you know, you can, I guess, raise it as you go along. It's up to you, but I, th- I think you're worth, I- I'm going to say you're worth at least 35. How's that? <laughs> Sounds good. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, last two here. Goals for the season. What, what are you, anything you wrote down or anything you're thinking about? Yeah, I don't want to give up a run the entire season. For real? Is that a real? No, I, mean, no, it's not, I know that's not reality, but I mean, every year I'm like, I'm going to see how far I can go. Some years it's like, oh, I'm doing all right. Other years it's like I give up a run, you know, early. So, no, um, goals, you know, I'm more of a team guy. If if I'm able to moment by moment do my job, um, that's, that's why I feel like I put our team in the best position to win. Um, you know, going out there, pitch to pitch, focusing, concentrate, and everything else will take care of itself. So it's just trusting in the process uh, is my main goal. Um, from a team standpoint, obviously, it's making those playoffs. You know, I want to be a part of, um, you know, a White Sox playoff team to be able to push forward and for these young guys to, to get that experience as well. And, you know, for me to get that experience, I've only had one game in the playoffs, and uh, it was insane amount of pressure, and I loved it. It was fun, and I want other people to – I want my teammates to experience that too. So playoff bound is definitely a goal, and making sure that moment to moment I'm locked in, you know, that's a huge goal of mine. You're going to have to do it on the field, but do you see the team ready to uh, at least push for it? 
I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, like we were talking about the talent with the young guys earlier, we got the veteran guys to complement that young talent. So um, I, I think, uh, obviously, I, I believe you know we have a shot. Otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think you guys have a great shot at it. Super excited to see it. Last one for you as uh, you, you move from the north side to the south side. Just the, What would you say, uh, I don't know, biggest difference? And, and I'm sure you have respect for both of them, but playing for Joe and now playing for Ricky. Uh, well, how would you compare and contrast the two? I mean, yeah, trust me, I got the respect for both of those guys, and I'm um, getting to know Ricky as well. And you know, they're just they are opposites in, in terms of um, you know coaching style. I'm never, you know, Joe's very laid back. Um, you know, he he kind of lets the players please themselves, and Ricky does too. Um, but Ricky will come in, and you know, he'll he'll fire us up before you know spring training uh, workouts or a game and stuff like that. Every day we're having a team meeting to communicate. Um, Joe was not about the meetings. Ricky's about you know making sure we're focused every day. Um, you know, with the meetings. So yeah, I mean, there's two different styles. You know, I appreciate both sides, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, and we'll see how the, the season goes. Right now, I love. I love what Ricky has to say, and it's been fun being a part of it. Yeah, as a vet, but a new guy, are you are you vocal in there, Steve? I mean, yeah, I'm, I've always been. I, I feel like like a leader by example type guy. I'm not the most uh, talkative, but if I see something, then I want to talk about it with the guys. You know, I want to pull a guy aside and chat with them, and I, I just look for opportunities to try to make the guy next to me better on the team, and that's a huge reason why I play this game is I want to be able to serve my teammates in that way and um, be the best teammate possible to help them become, you know, a better ball player and, you know, hopefully a better man with other things. So, um, you know, that's a major reason why I play. Steve Ciszek, you are class act. Great to have you on the south side. It's going to be a fun season. Stay healthy and tons of success to you, okay? All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. 720 WGN. I love Steve Ciszek. Two years on the north side. Now we'll see how long on the south side. One year, $6 million deal with an option, which I'm going to bet that Steve Ciszek is still here next season. Kevin Paul, you like that prediction? I like that prediction, Carm. Great interview with Steve Ciszek. Did you listen to any of it? I think you were kind of mesmerized by the boats outside. I'm mentally preparing for 7 o'clock start Sports Central. Big show coming up here, and uh, we're going to start it off with uh, somebody getting married. Uh, we'll explain that, and also how much of you miss sports. A bunch of stuff coming up on Sports Central. Before we uh, leave you on White Sox Weekly, though, I, I want to play a couple Carlos Rodon comments here. Let's see, uh, get KP's reaction here, too. So, uh, here's a guy coming back uh, from injury wants to be in the starting rotation, and yes, I think he feels very good about the fact that uh, there is some serious talent around him in the lineup. Uh, so here we go, Ben. Let's get uh, Carlos Rodon on uh, looking at that lineup and the potential for the White Sox have. The White Sox do have to put up a lot of runs. Yeah, this is a pretty uh, potent lineup, as you can see. Um, it's not an easy one to face. It's probably one of our best lineups we've had in a while. And I think it's a lineup that's going to do a lot of damage. Scott Merkin. Hey, Carlos. Uh, you know, with a week left before, yeah, a week left before the regular season starts, do you have a better idea of where you stand, you know, as a part of the rotation as someone I mean, both or is that still kind of to be figured out? Right now I'm preparing as a starter. I just went four innings, so I don't see the point of, going to the bullpen after you've built up so many pitches um 
right now my role is the starter, and uh, that's what I'm going to do. Drawing a line in the sand, Kevin Powell, a little bit at least. I mean, I always side on, on, on in that direction anyway. Always try to make a guy starter first, right? Yeah, and, and look. he's shown he can, he can do it. He has filthy stuff. You would think maybe coming off an injury he in a short season, he might want to, I guess, ease his way into it a little bit for long term, but... Look, Let the trainers and doctors and Carlos Rodon's people decide that. Uh, yes, and he's always been the guy. He, he's wanted to be the top. Compet- competitive dude. Wants, wants to be an ace. Wants, he's got filthy stuff. He's got top-of-the-rotation type stuff. I I look at it like well, if, Rodon, if Rodon can be, I don't know, 80% of Rodon at his best, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. It's, it's very good. I, I, I just think that, and we even touched on this a little bit earlier, we have absolutely no idea what this season's going to look like. I mean, you, with, especially down the stretch, like what, what would prevent Ricky Renteria from, let's just say, like, I don't know, whoever the hot end is, Lucas Giolito goes four innings and Dallas Keuchel goes four innings. And then you bring in a closer. Like, those are some scenarios that aren't completely out of the picture here, and it's such a short 60-game season. Down the stretch, though, it's possible. It's possible. They can do a lot of different things here. Let's get one more from Carlos. Uh, hey, Carlos, how's that fastball? How's that slider? I thought... Slider was sharp. Fastball was decent, um, close to almost all the way. I think I was like 90 to 95, so it was pretty good. A um, couple missed pitches here and there. Uh, Timmy got a changeup after he laid off the good one, so it was good at bat there. And then Edwin hit the pitch I made up and away, um, tipped my cap on, and then the next fastball I threw to him, that second at bat, was just a pitch I missed middle. So things that you know we can get better at and – Good thing it, these don't count. So, Edwin getting him to Manderson, taking him deep. No, no worries, right? It seems like every time I log on to Twitter.com, Carm, Luis Roberts trending, and he's trending right now. He hit another homer today, with deep center during the White Sox. They have an intra squad currently going on at uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field. I, I mean, is this the most hyped? Chicago. Well, I don't know if I could go with Chicago because the Cubs have had had that whole train of those guys coming up between Bryant, Baez, and but for the White Sox, for sure. Have, have you have you ever experienced the hype for a White Sox prospect quite like this? I mean, Moncada so, was big. There was buzz at the ballpark. Kopech's debut was massive. I mean, you had rows deep of people around the dugout watching him warm up. Kopech's debut September. 2018, which feels like 17 years ago right now, mm-hmm. that was an electric night. It was. and <laughs> It was a great night. But, and we're, unfortunately, we're not going to get to see any real, like, first time in the box, Luis Robert this year would have been a standing ovation, oh, right? Fans would have went nuts. I mean, I remember Yoan Moncada's first at bat when he drew a walk, and the crowd <laughs> went nuts. So, I mean, I guess we'll get that. Hopefully, at some point, whenever fans can return, yeah. Which who knows if that'll be twenty twenty one or not? I mean, the, this is it'll be twenty twenty one. You think so? Yeah. I don't know, man. I know the White Sox are worried about it. I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf is talking about. It. I don't know what twenty twenty one is going to be. Uh, I listen. I hope it will be. Whatever. Um, the point is, Luis Robert. <laughs> the point. I, I mean, the, it's just every single day there's buzz around this guy, and it's and it's not just sh- locally Chicago. I mean, there I've seen national reporters and news outlets that are, you know, posting stuff about Luis Robert. Yeah, endless praise. Super, super high expectations. And somebody that's... Merck was on it earlier today, Scott Merck and MLB.com, called him Kelly Leak, 
for you Bad News Bears fans. Oh, right, yeah. Who caught literally everything because he was playing with the Bad News Bears. Now, Luis Roberts. Cool dirt bike. Yeah, great dirt bike, smoking cigarettes at 13 years old, getting all the girls, Kelly Leak. Not someone you necessarily want to emulate, but back in the seventies, was you know he was right. the, he was the stud. Right. So, but I, you know, they don't need him to necessarily do that. But him helping out Eloy and left is not a bad thing. No, no, and that's a great point. Um, again, the guy hasn't played a single big league game yet, but this is baseball, and this is what we do about prospects. But I mean, it just how many homers for Luis? I was going to ask you the same question. What do you got? I got. What do we think the home run leader is going to be this year? By the way. I think someone's going to hit 28 home runs. Aaron Judge? Somebody's going to get hot and basically hit one every other day. Bellinger? Sure. Maybe it could be... Hey, look, the White Sox have candidates. Eloy Eloy could be in there, man. Eloy hit 31 homers in how many games last year? 100 and change? 113, I want to say, off the top of my head. And, I mean, look, Northside... KB, why not have a big season here? Yeah, why, why not? But if you if you if you look at like sixty games, you know sample sizes, guys can get that hot for that period of time. Now, can you do it right out of the gate in the middle of a pandemic with no fans in the stands and crazy things going on all around us? But you are starting in the middle of summer. You guys right. heat up this time of year. That's the other right? part. I mean, it. the first couple months. I mean, especially at Wrigley, it feels like the ball doesn't leave Wrigley for the first two months of the season. Hundred percent true. All right, Sports Central continues at the top of the hour. Thank you to our guests on White Sox Weekly today: Scott Merkin, Andy Mazur, Dylan Cease, and Steve Ciszek. Ben Anderson for producing Sports Central. Coming up at seven o'clock with you till ten on seven twenty WGN.